When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money-making conversations. Here we go. Hi there. This is Rashawn McDonald, and it is cold in the South. That's right. The South, said, move to the South is warm. No, 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 no. Move to the South, and it is very cold. So this is my air in the summer. I'm going to tell you something. Why I'm doing this interview right now? In January, it is cold. So whenever you hear this interview, if it repeats, it's cold when I'm doing this interview. So when I finish the interview, I'll be snuggling up in my gloves and my big hat and my big coat and going home and getting in the bed that's going to keep me warm all night. Yes, I am Rashawn McDonald. I am the host of this weekly Money-Making Conversation Masterclass show. The interviews and information that this show provides are for everyone. It's time to start reading other people's success stories and start living your own. My guest on the show today is Dr. Chuck Wallington. He is the author of A Seat at the C-Suite Table, Insights from the Leadership Journeys of African-American Executives. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations Masterclass, Dr. Chuck Wallington. How you doing, sir? I'm well, Rashawn. How are you doing? And uh, you someplace warm, my brother. Please tell me. Yes. I am. I am not. I wish I were. <laughs> I am in Greensboro, North Carolina, and it's cold here today as well. Well, you know, this is climate change. Well, I'm experiencing the climate change because, brother, it is a chilly, it. chilly, chilly. But uh, I'm born and raised in Houston, Texas, so I'm a southern boy. So you're in Greensboro, so you know that is that's the South too. So that, there's that's those exactly statements right. that you know is warm in the South. That's not true today for you nor I. And how you doing? That's you got right. a book out. A book coming out. Tell us about it right quick. I am doing well, and I do have a book that's in the market, and it's called A Seat at the C-Suite Table. And I was inspired to write this book after having worked in corporate America for now 35-plus years. Mm. I'm still working in corporate America. And I've always wondered, are there journeys for other people who look like me the same as mine, or are they different? And so that's what inspired me to actually write the book. And I reached out to 30 black men who are currently working in U.S. corporations 
in C-suite roles, and I asked them if they would share their leadership journeys with me. And they did so. And uh, this became my doctoral dissertation research, and it's now a book that's available in the marketplace today. I have to ask you the question, why did you not include a woman? You know what? There's been a lot of research already about women, and their stories are important for sure. As a black male, though, I wanted to understand and to highlight the unique journeys of black men. So that's why I chose to narrow my focus and mm-hmm. focus on black men. Now, if there's a part two to this, who knows? Maybe that could then focus on the journeys of black women. Well, you know, I, I being a former employee of IBM, I worked there two and a half years okay. undergraduate, two and a half years graduate. Uh, my degree is in mathematics. So I was a guy who's journeying in that direction to an executive. But we all mm-hmm. need to be educated. So what exactly do you mean when you say C-suite? What is that? What does that term mean? Great. That's a great question. So that term broadly refers to people who are the chiefs of the areas for which they're responsible. So think of the chief financial officer, the chief executive officer, the chief operating officer, the chief marketing and communications officer. It's the most senior person in an organization who's responsible for that particular function. And the collective of those, so the eight or nine or 10 or whatever the small number tends to be, those folks typically report to the CEO and they're the ones who make the strategic decisions for the organization. So that's the C-suite. There are not a lot of people there. Um, and for people of color, it can be a challenge at best to get there. And then there you have your own unique experiences once you're there. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing about it, like I said, I was, uh, it was, in, like I said, I went to college. I graduated in 83 so I worked for IBM for, from 83 to 86. And so mm-hmm. a good is about mentorship. That, that word wasn't used back then as it is mm-hmm. used today about who you turn to, who you communicate, uh, because that helps you. That helps you yes. toe the line, you know. So I had no one I could turn to even, uh, you know, that was above me. I had people on my same level, you know, mm-hmm. but no one above me that can tell me or, uh, you know, reach back and pull me f- uh, up or tell me what I had to do get up. Did any of them discuss that mentorship uh, availability as they were growing their career objectives, of, you know, ascending the ladder? Yes, there was great conversation among the 30 of them. And remember, I interviewed them individually and mm-hmm. then I kind of pulled the data together collectively. So, yes, one of the themes was that these men would love to have had mentors, coaches, sponsors, and allies. Some of them did and some of them didn't. Those who did have mentors talked very fondly about the role the mentors played for them, how the mentors opened doors for them, how the mentors helped them to navigate the corporate culture. For those who didn't, they talked about how they yearned for mentors. Even today, even though they've reached the C-suite, many of them still yearn for mentors. They talked about, if you didn't have a mentor, how they had to navigate the system themselves, how they had to figure things out, how they had to figure out what the culture of their organization was. And they talked about how challenging it was. It wasn't impossible for them, but it was more challenging. And they talked about how they just wished they'd had mentors and sponsors and coaches and role models, or at least more of them, for sure. I know it's very important. I can, I've can i shared my story of my experience mm-hmm. of being hired full-time, because when you work part-time, there's some, you know, there's some allowances on how you should dress, because you're in college, you know, so so right. they, they, they won't be as, as saying, uh, they can be more accommodating to your 
clothes that you wear. When I came on mm-hmm. full time, then I, I was still was in that college mindset, you know, kind of wearing. And it was IBM when IBM was really, you know, you had to really dress a certain way. You know, had to have mm-hmm. that gray, gray suit, that brown suit, that black suit, right, you know, a blue right. navy blue suit, red tie, all that stuff, because that was the that was the format that they had. Today, mm-hmm. a lot of people are a lot more casual. People pitch casual Fridays at various major corporations. But I came on board, and that's why mentorship is important. Nobody told me, Rashawn, Rashawn, you're not in college anymore. You're going right. to have to change the way you look. So I was rolling through, Chuck. I was rolling through, wondering why I wasn't getting promoted, wondering why I wasn't getting in, invited into any inner circle meetings that I felt mm-hmm. would benefit me to grow as a potential executive. Because right. at that moment, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be an IBM executive. I wanted to go up the food chain, but nobody told me. So I was walking in there with my little stylish pointy toe shoes, and and then mm-hmm. I had my little my little skinny tie, and I would have I wouldn't wear a full suit. <laughs> I would have a a little blazer jacket, you know, the pants, the, the, they will they will fly, you know. As long as the ladies said they were looking nice, I was putting it on. You know what I'm saying, Chuck? And so <laughs> I know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? So, but I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm just telling people the truth. That's when you don't have people telling you or pulling your coattail telling you, young man, you look nice, but what are you trying to achieve here? If I sat down and said, sir, I want to be an executive at IBM, they told you, well, you're dressing wrong, young man. That's what mentorship mm-hmm. will do for you. And that's, that's why right. I want to bring it up because you can go through the whole process. And I'm going to tell you something. I got hired with uh, two white guys at the same time, and they were just flying mm-hmm. through. But they were not dressing like mm-hmm. Rashawn McDonald. They weren't as fly as Rashawn McDonald. Mm-hmm. They were playing mm-hmm. the roles. We had the white, two, two, white, white, the white conservative uh, 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 Stacey Adams on and conservative. Mm-hmm. A, a wingtip shoes on and and they had the white shirt with the tie that that was appropriately uh, deemed the role right. you should wear when you go into the uh, corporate experience and I had to go and talk to my supervisor and he had to tell me Rashawn in a professional way because you really can't tell anybody hey you're dressing wrong when you're in a leadership role he just told me you 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 you, you may want to check how you're dressing look around Look around at the low leaders. Look at around at mm-hmm. the, the supervisors. Do you see anybody dressed like you, Rashawn? And I had to admit no. And when I admitted to myself no, then I went out and bought me some suits and went in the store at the time. I could buy three suits for of a, 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 a $99 each. And I came back through that door and my life changed. My okay. life at IBM changed immediately because right. I played the role. And that's what you're talking about in mentorship. And I'm pretty sure those examples of what they were saying, if they had somebody, they may not be extremists, mind Chuck, but I tell you, you need some guidance when you're walking into an environment that is predominantly yeah. white. That's true. So you have to have the, the guidance. And certainly these men had some experiences as far as dress is concerned, but their experiences with mentors or the lack thereof went even deeper. So, you know, when you go into any organization, you know, there's a culture, right? There's a way that you do things and a way that you don't do things. And some of it's how you dress, but some of it's how that you act and how you conduct yourself. Some of it's just you know, the more nuanced pieces of the um you know, the white culture that some folks perhaps haven't been exposed to, mm-hmm. all of that's important. And you have to learn how to navigate an organization's culture in order to be successful. So, again, these men talked about how they learn how to navigate 
this white culture. And if you pause and think about it for a second, you know, the companies in the United States, for the most part, were created by white men for the success of white men. And so all the rules, all the regulations are for the success of white men. So think about what happens when a black man or a black woman or some other minority comes into an organization. The rules are already set against them, right? It doesn't mean they can't figure them out, and many people do. It just means it's a challenge on the front end to figure it out. That's what a mentor or a coach can help you do. And the men talked about the advantage of having mentors and coaches. And for those who didn't, they talked about the struggle and fortunately we're still able to make it. So you're right. It's everything that includes dress, but it's not just dress. It's that and so much more. Absolutely. I'm talking to Dr. Chuck Wallington, his book, a seat at the C-suite table insights from the leadership journeys of African-American executives. And I, you know, it's really interesting because like, you know, when I was, uh, you know, I come from the inner city. I graduated from the University of Houston, which is in Third Ward. I still hung out with my friends. I pledged Omega Sci Fi Fraternity Incorporated. So I, I, my black culture, I came from a black neighborhood. I went to a white school. I was fortunate to be the vice president of the student body while I was there. So mm-hmm. I understood communicating with the, everybody. But it's still, when I got to IBM, I didn't have a role model. Uh, and that's why I think the value of internship, interning helps as well, because I'm just talking about not just these gentlemen, but we're talking about future. If you can intern at a company, it will help you and also lead you into some mentorship roles, because I think your book is about more so about these men, but also how society is today and how you can take advantage of some of the things that are available today. Correct, Chuck? That's exactly right. And one of the first things that you have to do if you aspire for a seat at the C-suite table is to take the opportunities that come to you now. And so if you are young and in college and thinking about business as a career, that's great. And to your point, seek out every opportunity to learn. Go in, ask questions. Um, Yes, you want to be compensated for what you do, and you don't have to come in making a, a whole boatload of money as an intern. It's very okay to come in and be compensated and then go in and figure out what it is that you can learn so that you become even better at what you think you want to do. Internships also rule out things. So you may go into an internship and think you want to pursue one area. You may decide, I don't like that. Right. You discover something else along the way. That is the value and the beauty of uh, an internship. You know, it's really amazing how you sit down and, you know, I also uh, encourage individuals to look at temporary employment opportunities. Because yeah. of the fact, like you said, I remember I used that a lot as well, uh, Chuck, and in, in laying out my aspirations because working at a temporary job, if they like you, then they'll keep you and hire you permanently. Because basically, especially today, a lot of companies are trying to avoid, uh, you know, unemployment insurance or laying people off. They'll hire people through, uh, the, through, the, through temporary assignments. And the whole thing in this conversation is getting to that C-suite and just seeing is that the company for you? Because I knew in the end, I eventually left IBM, not because it was a bad company. It wasn't a dream that I had for my life. I, I, I prefer right. entertainment. And that's all you're saying as well, Chuck, is that understand the culture, understand is this your final goal? Is, is this the environment that you want to aspire? And the only way you're going to do that is through interning, mentorship, as well as job experience, correct? Yes, that's true. And you you made a reference here that I'm going to follow up on. 
think about the industry that you want to go into. So I had never thought about going into healthcare, and 12 years ago I had a chance to come into healthcare in a leadership role, mm-hmm. and that's what landed me in my C-suite role that I'm blessed to hold today. But I'd never thought about healthcare. I'd worked in financial services and consumer packaged goods, and I'm a newspaper reporter by training, uh, briefly right out of undergraduate school, so I'd never thought about it. But everybody owes it to him or herself to think about what about the industry and can I see myself in that industry? Can I get excited about the work that happens in healthcare or in financial services or whatever your your industry of choice happens to be? And again, for your younger listeners, the beauty of it now is you don't have to have it all figured out. You get to explore numbers of industries that you might be interested in. And you can, you will eventually land in one that really resonates with you and speaks to who you are and what you're passionate about. Yes. You don't have to go to find you a botanica, you know, that big old dictionary on that wall right. that you had to look through all the different words and figure out what's going on. I'm speaking to Dr. Chuck Wallington. He's the book. It's the book is the author, a seat at the C-suite table insights from the leadership journeys of African-American executive. When we come back, I'll be asking Dr. Wallington, how did he select these male executives? You know, did he pull them out of the hat? Were they recommended? How did he find? He found 30 of them. Where did they come from? Be right back with more money making. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. 
Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Conversation Masterclass. My guest is Dr. Chuck Wallington. He's uh, author of the book, The C-Suite, uh, let me give correct name, A Seat at the C-Suite Table, Insights from Leadership Journeys of African-American Executives. And these 30 African-American executives are male. How did you uh, line them up or how did they come into your book? That's a great question. The headline there is there's a God somewhere. And uh, <laughs> I, I say that with all sincerity, because when I started this research, I knew four, maybe five of these executives myself. And I had a goal of 30. And um, I said, you know what, I can get to 30. And the methodology that I used, quite frankly, was as I would finish an interview with someone, I would say, can you please refer me to someone else? And so I got to the 30 because a lot of the men that I interviewed uh, introduced me to someone else. I'll also tell you that I reached out to women that I knew and said, I'm doing this research. Can you connect me with someone? And I am surprised. Well, I am not surprised, but women answered my call. And mm-hmm. they really reached out and they referred me to folks whom they work with or people whom they know. In a couple of cases, a couple of women referred me to their husbands. Mm. And that's how I arrived at the 30. So I owe a huge debt of gratitude, not only to the 30 men for saying yes, but to the people who referred me to them for them to open up and to share their story. Well, you brought up God and uh, faith in and yes. how we get there. I know that... Um, Faith for a lot of people, they they show it publicly. And a lot of people, especially in the corporate world, you can't really mm-hmm. display your faith, you know. And so how has faith played a role in your life and how do you allow it to be shared amongst people when you're, when you're delivering speaking engagements or do you keep it within yourself? You know what? I, I have gotten to the point in life where I am not going to keep my faith to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean that I shout it from the rooftop when it's inappropriate, but it does mean when it is appropriate. I, I do not hide the fact that I, I believe, I'm a Christian and I believe in what I believe in. Um, and so in the workplace, you know, there are opportunities and one-on-one conversations mm-hmm. to, to weave in faith. Uh, There are times when people come to me and they want to close the door and have a confidential conversation, and I will listen. I can tell if people, you know, believe in a higher being, and Mm -hmm. and we can we can turn the conversation to that, and I can encourage them to be prayerful about whatever it is that they are um, concerned about. So uh, I am not one to walk away from my faith, and it is crystal clear to me that you and I would not be having this conversation right now if uh, the God that I choose to serve had not ordained all of it and set it into motion. So I am thankful for that, and I appreciate you giving me this chance to have this conversation. Well, you know, it's really one that I want to have, you know. And I was speaking with a good friend of mine, Yolanda Adams, gospel singing legend, Mm -hmm. and uh, I was trying Mm -hmm. to get her to define to me the difference between business and faith. And she said, Rashawn, they're one and the same. You know, because, you, sure. you know, you you know, it's about effort. It's about applying, uh, you know, consistency and, and a belief. You know, if you believe yeah. in your business, you believe in your faith, they, they are, mm-hmm. they're tied together. Is that something that sure. you can relate to when when she says that? Because I really thought you had to separate them. Now, you, you're trying to bring them together. She said, no, don't try to separate them. Embrace them and use them as dual motivation for your ultimate goal. Does that make sense? 
So if what she says makes sense, then I'm going to broaden it to, to work for me. So my faith is a part of my life and who I am. Right. And, and I choose to not separate it as I go through life. So I choose not to separate it from what I do at work. I choose to not separate it from home and family and friends. It is all a part of who I am, and, and it's a part of what matters to me the most. So uh, that's how I choose to, to look at it. I choose to not separate it out, but look at it as, you know, the way that I am. That's a huge part of who I am. Let me, let me ask you, Dr. Wallington, you know, uh, DEI, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's been, two years ago it was really hammered. And, oh, and even Elon Musk has an issue with DEI. And uh, he's getting in public spats with uh, a basketball um, owner, part, used to be the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. He recently sold mm-hmm. the team about DEI. Mm-hmm. Does DEI water down the accomplishments of the uh, that being achieved by C-suite executives? I don't think it does at all. Because remember, C-suite executives were were achieving things long before diversity, equity, and inclusion, as we understand it now. Uh, was a real, real, real focus of conversation. So, mm-hmm. so those achievements are what they are, and I celebrate those who've done them. I think now, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion are a foundation for what folks are striving to achieve. And diversity, equity, inclusion, in my opinion, will always be important because uh, there are gaps. There are clearly gaps between uh, the world that we live in and function in, the world that others are blessed to live in and function in. And so DEI simply acknowledges there are gaps, and DEI says here are ways that we can close those gaps by working together. You know, everybody has a title. You know, every generation has a title. You know, like when I grew up, I'm just I'm asking you because you're in the game. You know, and sometimes mm-hmm. I was I'll only just suspect. I grew up affirmative affirmative action was the term that I grew up with, you know, and it okay. feels to me that it, DEI is affirmative action, isn't it? You know what? That's, I can see why you would say that. And I don't know that I have a point of view one way or the other. <laughs> what I will continue to come back to is that there are gaps, right? right. Mm-hmm. There are clearly gaps between, again, I'm going to talk about what I know. If you look at the U S corporations, you know, there are gaps between, uh, positions of power, who holds positions of power, who gets to make the decisions, who doesn't get to make the decisions, there are gaps there. And mm-hmm. so, again, what I believe diversity, equity, inclusion does is acknowledges that there are gaps and it gives us a foundation upon which to simply have a conversation and say, if we all acknowledge there are gaps, what are we going to do to close those gaps? And how can we work together to close those gaps? And the reason I brought up uh, my listeners, uh, let them know that, you know, it's, it's so hard to achieve anything, especially when you're a person of color, especially a person who's black, and especially if you're African-American male, you know, um, not to water down the achievements uh, and say it's easy for African-American females. But African-American males do do uh, place a much more crisis role in uh, pursuing um, opportunities in the corporate structure that's predominantly mm-hmm. male driven by whites. You know, mm-hmm. what is the, what is the hopes for the next generation of black executives? Dr. Chuck Wallington. So I'll tell you my hopes and I'll tell you what the, the 30 men whom I talked to uh, hope for. So the hope is that for those of us who are blessed to be in these roles now, that we will continue to do our very, very best in what we have been asked to do. And 
to leave the door open for the next generation of people who look like us. It's not enough to simply occupy these seats and leave. It is extremely important that we occupy these seats, that we're blessed to do well, and that we leave the door open so that others can come behind us and do even bigger and better work than we've been blessed to do. I, I go to this question. You, you know the society we're living in. Race is at its highest. I think uh, mm-hmm. racial issues, uh, racial plays itself out. You know, the, the, the political climate is very racially gem- driven. You know, is 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 you know you either this side of the ledger or you this side of the ledger. How can we close that gap? Trying to move forward and just be recognized, not as the late Dr. Martin Luther King would say, not by the color of our skin. Because it seems that we are still being judged by that. And that's not fair because when I walk in a room, you know I'm not a white guy. Right. Right. Well, I, I think the first way of closing the gap is to acknowledge that there's a problem. There is a gap. And um, so there's that. We have to acknowledge that there's a problem or a right. challenge or an opportunity. The second is to then bring together the right people and say, if we acknowledge there's a challenge or a gap, what are we willing to do? as we work together to close the gap. And again, I talk about that in the book towards the end. So yes, sir. If, you're a, if you're a CEO and you know that um, you don't have representation from black men on your leadership team or anywhere in your ranks, you know, first of all, you have to acknowledge there's a challenge. And then you have to be willing to put together a plan that will bring in you know, the right people. And then you have to support them along the way. You have to prop them up. You have to give them the infrastructure so that they will be successful. You have to also hold your other leadership colleagues accountable because if they have opportunities or openings in their areas, are they interviewing diverse slates of candidates to ensure that people who look like you and me have a chance to interview for these roles? If they are, great. If they're not, that's a problem. And what's going to be done about that? So, you know, that's one way to do it. Acknowledge that there's a gap or a problem and then bring the right people together um, focused on generating solutions that will help to close. Wow. Uh, how can we find how can we find this book? Uh, is it online? Is it a website? Help us out right now. And the book I'm talking about is A Seat at the C, C, at the C, the letter C, Sweet Table, Insights from the Leadership Journeys of African-American Executives by Dr. Chuck Wallington. How can we find it? This book is available online at Amazon or wherever you buy your books um, online. Uh, But I would suggest that folks go to Amazon and Mm -hmm. pick up a copy. Would love to have you do that. Well, Dr. Chuck Wallington, I I enjoyed this conversation. I hope it was moving for you. I learned a lot. And it's about exposing people to the next level of opportunity. And you're providing with this book. The book was a very, very good read. And I recommend it to anybody who's interested in this form of a knowledge and learning because we always want to take the next step and your book allowed that through my reading. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity and I wish you well and I wish your readers well or your listeners well. Good. Talk to you soon, my friend, and be careful and stay warm. Thanks so much. <laughs> my I next guest, my next guest, he's on the call right now. And um, let me just tell you, I used to be a little chunky dude till I met this guy. So if you're concerned about losing weight, if you're concerned about, uh, how to do it, and still have fun. And I have fun.
He's my guest is coming up next. Don't go nowhere. It's New Year's resolution. New Year's New Year's resolution time. Everybody always sets them when they want to. It's about. I think the number one is weight loss. Where my next guest is the man to talk to. Please come back to Money Making Conversations Masterclass. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Money Making Conversations Masterclass. Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald is produced by 3815 Media Inc. More information about 3815 Media Inc. is available at 3815media.com. And always remember to lead with your gifts. solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.